Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to the Dynamic Dojo Show with Restita and Robert, your source for martial arts talk radio. Hyundai Vincisteri joining um, on the show. And our phone number is, where is my Let's move on with the show. Let's start with birthdays. 
I got to share something with you first because this was funny. This happened this week. I was driving for Lyft, and you know how I tell you that every once in a while I'll pick up a morning after girl who's doing the walk of shame, right? <laughs> right. Well, this, and I've never gotten one during the week before because that's a week, that's a work day, right? Well, I got the ultimate walk of shame girl. I've never had this before. This girl shows wow. up to my car at 4.30 in the morning carrying her stuff in a man's T-shirt and nothing else. Oh. Oh. <laughs> really? <laughs> and, I said, and I said, did you just roll out of bed? And she <laughs> says, well, sort of. I, and then she started explaining it to me, and I said, well, did he try to have sex with you? And she said, well, he was rubbing up against me and then fell asleep. And I said, so he was rubbing up against you and fell asleep. I bet when he tells his friends, he doesn't tell that part of the story. Well, he won't. I bet There's the no way he'll tell that part of the story. Different. No way. He, he had sex for hours with this woman, I'm sure. <laughs> oh, it's yeah. amazing how he'll fabricate it. <laughs> why, so, why that was funny. That's funny. What? Oh, it's an ego thing, Rusty. It's an absolute ego thing. Wow. You think I'm going to tell my friends, yeah, I picked up this girl in bars, rubbing up against her. I was so tired, I fell asleep. That ain't going to happen. <laughs> nope, that's not going to happen. You're right. <laughs> oh, oh, by the by, the end of the story, it's going to be, oh, she told me I was the best she ever had. <laughs> It would go. Oh, it would go in directions that it never ha- had a chance. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious! So, birthday. Uh, birthday. Uh, well, I start out with with October ninth. It's Wes Bennett, my brother Bill Deal, and Kim Noor. On the tenth, it's Randy Martinez. On the thirteenth, it's Dave Johnson. And on the fourteenth for me, it's Dahlia Bod. Ah, I've got a few birthdays. Anyway, Which, oh, by the way, Rusty, we we can't forget to say, to uh, uh, say happy birthday to Dolly when we see her next weekend on the fourteenth. That's right. Cannot forget. All right, we birthdays must not on forget. Yeah, birthdays on my end on the eighth. Uh, my friend Larnie Raphael and Bill Touche, who um, is the father of a former student of mine. Um, on the 9th is my second cousin, Abby Umaga. Her birthday is on the 9th, as well as a martial arts sister of mine, Debbie Myung. Um, on the 10th, uh, a friend of mine, Shannon Crawford, and her friend Matt Lawrence. On the 10th, um, on the 11th, Chief Emilio Olivieri and Bert Bray. On the 12th is Sifu Robin Dahlberg. And on the 14th, my friend Chassie Whittinger and longtime friend from Junior High and High School, Linda Among. And Kat, do you have any birthdays? I, I do. On the uh, on the 16th of October, um, one of my spiritual mentors, Jacqueline Orser, it's her birthday on that day. And the 17th, I think, is the birth of a really wonderful relationship. 
And that's all I have for this one. Oh, you know what? We can't forget October 13th. October 13th is Marlon Bonilla's birthday. Oh, Marlon. Marlon. Oh, my goodness. Can't forget that. Can't forget that. Send him a text. (laughs) I will. Yeah. On Thursday. So, for everyone having a birthday this week, and I know there's a whole bunch of you out there, but for everyone having a birthday this week, this tune is for you. Did you check sound levels prior to showtime? <laughs> was that really loud? <laughs> yeah, it was very loud. Sorry. <laughs> no, I, I guess I did not. Hold on. Let me check something here. It is within acceptable norms. <laughs> That's, yeah, it's within acceptable norms. But there we go. But then again, my mixer headphones are not. Are not. Down really low. So I was having a good time, and you know, I'm blowing your guys' ears out, making them bleed. Sorry. <laughs> All right, let's let's move on to announcements. So, Bob, what do you have for announcements, buddy? Well, next weekend's pretty cool. Uh, Gathering of Champions, the second annual, on mm-hmm. October 14th. Doors open at 8. Pre-registration begins at 7.30. It's uh, being promoted by Jason Mencia and on Angie Abad Mencia. And it's at the Torrance, the Torrance Marriott Redondo Beach at 3635 Fashion Way in Torrance, California, 90503. There you go. That's gonna be fun. Yeah. Yay. You know, do not do not win anything again this year. I'm running out of room with all your crap in my house. <laughs> you hear that, Rusty? Pretty soon I, she'll be moved she'll be moved out of Washington and into Burbank. She's doing it slowly. <laughs> you know, I she's I just love jewelry. Toothbrushes, toothpaste, uh, trophies, knives, uh, <laughs> tripod. Girlfriend. I know, right? Like, I was like, can I just leave this big trophy here? Because you know, it, it was big. I, I don't think I would have even fit, like, the smallest piece in my luggage. Well, what, what, do I t- what do I tell my daughter? I'm sorry, honey. You can't come home for the summer. We got Rusty living with us now. <laughs> Oh, Bob, that's not going to happen. <laughs> not going to happen. Is, why is Goldie Matt calling me right now? <laughs> My phone starts.
starts beeping, and, gold, and it's Goldie Mac. Oh, <laughs> tell him to text you. <laughs> what's up? And tell him what's up from Cat and Rusty. What's up? Anyway, <laughs> are you texting him? Are you gonna? Are you gonna? No, no. Okay. I'll call him later. All right. What's next in your announcement stocking, everybody? You so what's your him? announcement, Rosie? What's that? What's your announcement? Oh, I I, I thought you were gonna read off the uh, the other announcement on the notes. Oh, oh, okay. I, I I thought that was reserved for you because it's in Washington, but it happens to be my Jeep window instructor, Mark Stewart, Box Rebellion. He's holding a JKD Kali Tukan workshop in uh, oh where is it? in in uh, Burlington, Washington, April or uh, October fourteenth and fifteenth. At I can't read that, Rusty. Who's what martial arts school? Hawaii Martial Arts Academy. Right, in Burlington, Washington at 670 Cascade Mall Drive. Mm-hmm. And if you have Pretty any, cool. He's, he's a great instructor. Huh? If, you have, if, if anyone has any questions about this seminar, uh, about wanting to attend the March seminar, you want to contact Lee Farrellin over there at Kalaki Martial Arts. He's a... Uh, Friend of mine, a good martial arts brother, and a former inductee in the martial arts, uh, sorry, in the Bastion Hall of Fame, and he's a head instructor over there. So get a hold of Lou Carolyn, or you can just look up the Mark Stewart Boxer Rebellion. Just look up Mark Stewart Boxer Rebellion on Facebook, and you'll be able to see it. All right. I have, um, I've also got an announcement, although I have to go back to got to go back to our main screen here. Um, in two weeks, the weekend of the 27th, 29th, it is the USA Martial Arts Hall of Fame right here in the Seattle area. Well, not exactly Seattle. It's actually Fife, Washington, which is just outside of Seattle. And it is, I think, the last USA Martial Arts Hall of Fame of the year. On Halloween weekend, and it's going to be at the Emerald King Casino. Um, there's a meet and greet on the 27th, which I don't think I'm going to be able to make. I don't, I don't think. Um, Why not? Why do you think I'm coming in so early? What's that? Why do you think I'm coming in so early? Because I thought that was a cheap flight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you away. go. You know, and the last time I went, you know, the last time I went to that one, it was me, Lori, Jim, holding X. That was it. <laughs> Uh-oh. That was it. And it was like in a dark place out there in Fife Land. And I was like, I don't know where I'm at. And yeah, it's kind of wild. But, uh, well, I'll explain later, Bob. But then Saturday... Okay. Was workshops and the Hall of Fame Awards that night. The workshops are free, um, so come on down. Um, Cap's going to be teaching the seminar. I'm going to be teaching the seminar. Uh, Bob, if there's room, you want to teach the seminar? No, there's no no room for me. You look at who you've got. You've got Cat, you, Mark Chewy, 
a bunch of good people. I'm just going to sit and watch. Oh. <laughs> okay, good for you. But you get to be the dude with the microphone because we are, we are there. We are going to be there and psychic. Oh, that's and true. Yes, we will be there at Dynamic Dojo Cocktail, all three of us. How badass is that? Now, I'm Pretty not saying if Jim and Lori didn't need somebody and asked me, I wouldn't do it. I would. Yep, because I'm, because uh, I don't know. I, I don't even know what the schedule is going to be. I, you know, they'll, they, I think they post it like, like a few days prior. So I don't know. But we shall see. <clears throat> All right, I think I think that's it for. Wait, do I have another announcement? No, I don't. All righty then. Well, with that said, let's do some health news. Here we go. Be loud. <laughs> I'm having. I'm just having a ball with my levels. <laughs> All right. So, so v- v- Vince just texted me, and I said we'll call him about six thirty. Yeah, about probably a little bit after that. Um, okay. Yeah, I said about. Yeah, we're good. Okay. Awesome. Well, let's talk a little bit about superfoods for all. Superfoods for all. Now, autumn produce, folks, is chock full of healthy nutrients. We all know that in-season foods tend to be a little easier on your wallet. Plus, they introduce a whole new array of ingredients to get creative with in the kitchen. So, what's on the menu? Well, we all know that root vegetables are are usually a norm for for autumn. You know, like turnips and sweet potatoes, rutabagas and stuff like that, winter squash. But, um, check this out. I've got a list of um, other foods that uh, go beyond just the root vegetables that uh, that we're normally used to, all right? So let's start with Brussels sprouts. <laughs> I know some people out there are going, Brussels sprouts, but Brussels sprouts, <clears throat> according to Lainey Yonkin, who is an LDN and founder of Lainey Yonkin Nutrition in Boston, Massachusetts, she said, that Brussels sprouts are cruciferous vegetables, which means they're loaded oh. with cancer-fighting compounds. They're also high in vitamin K, which helps your blood clot. Did them as fruit? Oh, go ahead, Bob. What? Bob? Bob? Where did Bob go? Bob, where did he go? That's a good Bob. question. Can you hear me, Rusty? Yeah, I'm right here. Oh, there you are. You cut out, Bob. Okay. You were, oh, you, were okay. you were saying something while I was talking about. No? Okay. All right. <clears throat> so, back to Brussels sprouts. Bread them in a food processor and use it as a base for so the next salad or soup and ice cream in the oven. And add a little maple syrup for All right. There's a lot of that. Um. Bob's line. Let's see if it's Kat's line. Well, somebody finally stopped the noise. Okay. So, uh, back to our superfoods. What did I do here? Um, Kat, can you hear me? Yes, I hear you. I can't hear you. Oh, okay. So, did yeah, you, I hear did you. you get my, uh, 
Did you get my messages about the health news? Yes, no. Okay. About the health news? <laughs> yeah. I sent you some stuff that we could read off. Uh, is that on regular I'll text? Put... No, it's not, it's in your messages. But okay, I'll do the first one. Oh, okay. All right. Okay. Let's go to pumpkin. Now, check this out, folks. A cup of sliced pumpkin has almost 200% of your daily value of vitamin A and is possible vitamin C and potassium. As long as you aren't drinking okay. from your latte, pumpkin is a healthy addition to any fall meal. Now, a half cup of canned pumpkin delivers three grams of fiber and has just five grams of sugar and only 50 calories. But there isn't much you can't do with pumpkin. You can stir it in your soup. And mix it in your morning oatmeal. I haven't even thought of that. Um, or add it to a smoothie. It's an unseasonably long day. Um, now, Susan Bowerman, um, director of Worldwide uh, Nutrition Education, and hold on, Susan Bowerman, who is the director of Worldwide Nutrition Education and Training for Herbalife, suggests using canned pumpkin in smoothies and as a nutritious topping for beef yogurt. He stresses that you're buying canned pumpkin and not pumpkin pie mix, which is packed with a bunch of sugar. So make sure you get the canned pumpkin. Okay, next. And then it'll be captured. Okay. All right. Next is apples. While apples contain vitamin C and phytonutrients, fiber is the shining start of, um, is the shining start of this. One medium apple has four grams of soluble fiber. And that's the type that helps lower your cholesterol. Eating adequate fiber can also help with weight loss. All right. Next one by Kat. Is? They all say Kat. So which one am I reading? Oh, Kat 2. Okay. (laughs) Okay, Kat 2 is sweet potatoes. Sweet potatoes are one of the easiest fall foods to whip up, says Yunkin. Simply wash one, poke a few holes with a fork, microwave it for three to four minutes, and voila. One of the sweet potatoes has almost 400 of your daily value, vitamins, da- daily value of vitamins A, and contrary to popular belief, it only has five grams of sugar. For a stuffed sweet potato, they are delicious, filled with ground turkey and kale. With ground mm. turkey and kale, you can also roast your own sweet potato fries or jump on board for the latest twin trend sweet potato toast what? okay yeah sweet potato <laughs> toast haven't heard of that but hey i'm i mean i'm game i'd like to try it i make the best sweet potato french fries ever oh do you i do i cook them in coconut oil oh my god they're amazing right them because that's a big claim so i'm gonna have to try them tonight because i'm all about i'll make them for you all right I'll make them for you. Yeah. It's on. It's on like Donkey Kong. All right. Let's move on to the next one. And this is butternut squash. I love butternut squash, by the way. So butternut squash. Like pumpkin, butternut squash is, is also a very rich source of vitamin A. And it's also a good source of potassium, magnesium, and fiber. The orange color in butternut squash, in case anyone was wondering, comes from beta carotene, you know, just like carrots. And it's an antioxidant that is converted to vitamin A in our body. Beta carotene fights free radicals. 
while vitamin A ensures healthy bones, skin, and teeth. <clears throat> now, what you can do with butternut squash is um, roasting it with sliced apples and a dash of sugar for a sweet and savory side dish. Or try it like a soup. You can actually simmer cubed squash and chicken or vegetable broth with some onion, lemon juice, uh, ginger, thyme, salt, and pepper until it's all tender. And then you want to stir in some, get this, cubed silken tofu and heat it through. Then puree the whole mix until you have a nice thick soup. That sounds good. That does sound good. Yeah, that sounds great. All right, next. On our list, the cat did sweet potatoes. What else is there mm. on your list? Spaghetti squash. Mm. Now, my sister is a gigantic fan of spaghetti squash. Yeah. <clears throat> Favorite of pasta lovers on a diet, spaghetti squash is a low-calorie, versatile ingredient to begin incorporating into your diet uh, on the fall. A popular weight loss food, spaghetti squash a winter squash often used in place of spaghetti noodles. Just one huh. cup of spaghetti squash has only 30 calories, while a cup of pasta has 200, says Duncan. I know, 200 calories. Mix with vegetables and a sauce of your choice for a healthier pasta dish, or try stuffing it with beans and veggies for a simple but fiberful dinner. Yay. It has some vitamin A and vitamin C, and is also a source of lutein and zeaxanthin. I think I pronounced that incorrectly, but yeah. that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> what the heck? Um, <laughs> two carotenoid compounds that help protect eyesight against UV rays, adds, Bauer, adds Bowerman, who recommends using it as a filling for veggie tacos. Toss cooked spaghetti squash in a larger skillet with chili powder, cumin, salt, pepper, and lime juice until heated, and then add some canned black beans drained. Use it to fill tacos and top with salsa and guacamole, she says. Yum. That sounds really good. Yeah, yeah we're going to have to try that. We're going to have to try that. Now, folks, this we're just reading off stuff right now, but I do have a link. This to all of this information, and there are recipes for each of these foods. We're only going to do a few more here because there's like a bunch of them, but I will put the link on the Dynamic Dojo Facebook page, and I'll also put it on my personal profile page where our, where this show is actually being aired right now, so people can get a bunch of cool recipes for the season. It's kind of cool. All right. Yay. <laughs> nice. Now, the last one I'm going to do is cauliflower. And uh, this starchy vegetable contains vitamins and folate, of all things. Uh, and, oh, I lost my point here. And like other members of the cabbage family, it's rich in sulfur-containing compounds, also known as mucosinolates, which act as antioxidants and are anti-inflammatory. Now, um, nice. Uh, one good suggestion for cauliflower is turning it into a low-carb substitute for rice for a healthier fried rice. All you have to do is pulse it in a food processor until it, like, breaks up a bit. Um, and then saute it in a, little, uh, in a little bit of oil in a large skillet with beaten eggs, chopped leftover cooked veggies, and maybe some leftover meat, fish, shellfish, or poultry, or tofu. 
and boom, there you go. You've got a low-carb substitute for fried rice. Now, cauliflower is a cruciferous vegetable um, that has become a popular substitute for pizza crust and rice. Pizza crust? And it's what? What? Pizza <laughs> what? crust? So, so right here. I've never heard of that. I don't know. And it's no surprise why. One chop, one cup of chopped cauliflower has under 30 calories and 85% of your daily value of vitamin C. You can also roast wow, cauliflower nice. steaks for a more flavorful option. Oh, how bad is that? All right. All right. For the last one that we're going to do today for healthy foods for all. Okay, I'm not going to read turnips? Yes, you are going to read turnips. Okay. All right. Then the last one I'll read for today is turnips. The root veggie is a good source of vitamin C, potassium, folate, and fiber. Bowman suggests making turnip mashed potatoes. Steam Mm. or boil potatoes and turnips together until tender. Then mash and season as you would mashed potatoes. Saves a lot of calories and is a great way to work more vegetables into your day. If you're lucky enough to have turnip greens, you can cut them very finely, saute in a little olive oil, and serve alongside, she says. Mm. Well, there you go. There you go. That You know, turnip greens, turnip greens are badass, folks. So are pea vines. Can't, can't say I've ever had them. They're great. Oh, they're great. You know, i going to uh, have to try them. My mom loved turnips. I used to uh, always be careful to buy turnips with pops fall on them. And <laughs> every time I'd buy turnips, she'd, she'd just you know, fry them with a little bit of garlic and just a tad of uh, soy sauce, and I'd, I'd, I'd be right over her shoulder looking at the gun. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, I think that's it for that. Later on, I will post the link to all the recipes that um, are with the uh, superfood for autumn um, as well. And there's a few more. There's like pomegranates and some other stuff. But uh, healthy recipes over there. All right. So with that said, let's move on to oh, – we're doing a new thing today, aren't we, Bob? Tell us what we're doing. Cat, is that your cat making that noise? <laughs> no, it's the cat outside. It's not my cat. Really? Mine are just sitting here quietly with me. We're being all being very quiet except for the cat outside. Oh, wow. Wow. Interesting. Yeah, that was oh. pretty loud. <coughs> yeah. <coughs> Sorry. All right, Bob, what do we got for our next segment? Something new. How come I can't hear Bob? Because I was muted. (laughs) Yes, there I am. All right. So I'm only going to read a couple because we are running so far behind. Just to give you an idea of the laws that are on the books that that we really can't enforce anymore. For example, the first one, in Arcadia, California. Peacocks have the right of way to cross any street, including driveway. <laughs> I have I have a bit of strange news or strange laws, I should say, in that the only thing on the highway that is not considered littering 
as you're driving are chicken feathers. <laughs> wow. How about that? How about that? Wow. <laughs> in, in, Ages in ago, when they used to transport wow. chickens, no, they used to transport chickens via truck, and chicken feathers would go all over the freeway, and that was the only thing that the law considered not littering. Oh, okay. Got it. Wow, that's a strange, huh? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. There you go. <laughs> there you go. So in Baldwin Park, no one is allowed to ride a bicycle in a swimming pool. (laughs) (laughs) Duh. (laughs) Uh, Last one for this week in Belvedere. Now, I thought this was funny because of the way it's worded. I know what they meant, but this this is the way it's worded. Belvedere City Council... Order reads, no dog shall be in a public place without its master on a leash. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. (laughs) That's funny. Oh, I thought that was hilarious. Okay, so... Now, like I like I said, when when Rusty and I were in San Antonio last year, there was a tour bus of a comedian, and it his name was Ralphie May, in our parking lot, and that that's why I decided to share this story. Okay. Ralphie May died died not not too long ago. Ralphie May was so sick a couple of weeks before he died that he was called in for a radio interview instead of being in the studio. The comedian's interview with Albuquerque's Carlos and Kiki in the morning from September 22nd is telling he re- is telling he reveals he's been battling bronchitis for several days and it's completely worn down. Still, hmm. he tells them he fought through it and did eight shows in six days in six days despite struggling to walk. Ralphie's poor health didn't stop him from doing what he always did best during the during the call though cracking jokes uh <laughs> TMZ I, it's very very poorly written the way they wrote this we TMZ broke the story may Ralphie May died of cardiac arrest Friday at a private residence in Vegas he was 45 years old that was weird you cut out like for like silent for a while that was weird because I kept so, talking. Yeah. Now, Goldie Mac said, I tried to log on to the show, was unable to, but could hear, but could not talk. Um, if you. Uh oh. Uh oh. Are you there, Rusty? We lost Bob. Rusty. There you are. Here I am. Rusty. I'm right there here. There you are. Okay. Okay. Now you are. So I have to tell I have to tell people out there, you guys, when you call, you you're not automatically going to get onto our phone line. Uh, you are on hold, and we're just gonna. However, we have to assume that you're just listening, unless you press one. And it says so when you call in. It says thank you for calling Blog Talk Radio. Please press one on your telephone keypad or whatever you would like to place in the caller queue. 
and you have to place you have to press one. So if you call and there is no one next to your number, we're not going to pick it up because we're just going to we're just assuming that you're listening. So you know, please make sure, folks, that you know if you want to call and uh, you want to talk with us, press one after you get the uh, Blog Talk Radio person talking to you. Press one, and <clears throat> that'll let us know that you want to talk. Um, because if everybody called and everyone was automatically connected, it would just be a big cluster, cluster mess. So that's why anyone that calls is usually on hold. So there you go. All right. I guess that's it for that. Why don't we do this? Why don't we go ahead and um, take a short break? And when we come back, when we come back, we're going to um, we're going to call Hyundai uh, Vincent Serin to join us on the show. Alrighty, so we'll be right back after this. Don't go away. If you own a gun, you have a full-time responsibility. When you aren't using it, be sure it can't get into the hands of curious children, troubled teenagers, a thief, or anyone else who might misuse it. Your family, friends, and neighbors are all counting on you. Remember, always lock it up. For more information on firearm storage safety, visit ncpc.org. This message brought to you by the National Crime Prevention Council, the Bureau of Justice Assistance, and the Ad Council. Dear parents, much of what we learn in this world comes directly from you. Whatever your message is, it will become part of us forever. Please teach us to accept one another. Teach us to respect one another. Please, do not fill our minds with hatred. Do not expose us to bigotry. Do not teach us to judge each other by race, religion, orientation, or the color of our skin. Teach us the concept of tolerance. Teach us to understand one another. Teach us to accept people of different cultures and persons with different beliefs than yours. Please help us to create a world where every man, woman, and child is treated equally. Dear parents, please don't teach us words of hate. We learn from you every moment. If you use certain words which might be hurtful to others, we will repeat that word. Please don't show us acts of hate. If you act against people of different faiths, we will repeat your actions. Dear parents, we are your children. And we are relying on you to help us create a world where every person is tolerant of one another. Inside this little Burbank building, this is the first museum in the world dedicated to martial arts. It, it really reflects on the style and the, the philosophy of each and every different culture. White eyebrow kung fu, monkey kung fu, the animal styles, Shaolin. Talking about the ninja here. Japan had the samurai. Here we go into our Korean section. In fact, every corner of Asia and the Pacific has its own martial art. It'll be an absolute shame if one day you ask a kid and he doesn't know who Bruce Lee is. From the history of the Japanese samurai to the artistry of anime, enjoy a look into Asian culture by visiting the Martial Arts History Museum in Burbank. Hi, this is Frank Duke. This is Tito Douglas Wong. Hi, this is Kumu Lua, Michelle Manu, and you're listening to Rosita and Bob on the Dynamic Dojo Radio Show. The only place to be to get the real scoop on the real things that are going on in the martial arts world. Do you have an idea for a guest or a topic that you'd like to hear on the Dynamic Dojo Talk Radio Show? If you do... 
You can email your suggestions and ideas to dynamicdojoradiohost at gmail.com or you can also post it on the Dynamic Dojo Facebook page. You're listening to the Dynamic Dojo Show with Restina and Robert, your source for martial arts talk radio. All right. Welcome back, everyone. If you're just now tuning in, this is Dynamic Dojo Talk Radio with Rosita and Robert and Kat. You know, <laughs> you know what, Bob and Kat, I'm still used yes. to I'm still used to Blog Talk Radio because in Blog Talk Radio, when you put people in the green room, we can talk privately, right? Right? Right. <laughs> yeah. You see where this is going because we're on Facebook Live, and <laughs> oh my God! But really, really, but but everyone, everyone can hear us going. Oh, you know, can you introduce us to Vince? Because we have no idea who he is. And um, <laughs> I know. Oh, you know, this is. The <laughs> This is the fun part about being on Facebook Live, folks, with a video encoder, because... Yeah. And now, now we know that, Ru- that Rosie goes to her martial arts school in the short bus. Yes, in the short bus. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. <laughs> so, yeah, so that's what's going on. So all of, our, all of our viewers are out there going, oh, so this is what goes on in the background. People, you have no idea what goes on in the background. I've got no, like not, a, you guys have no clue. <laughs> you guys have no clue because, like, whenever this, sometimes when, when you don't see this live screen right here, okay, um, I am texting like a mad fiend in the background, or like looking up stuff, or <laughs> or doing stuff. It's you know. It's, it's it's crazy. It's crazy. But, you know, that's the fun part. That's one of the reasons why Bob and I decided to go live, because that way you can see what really goes on behind the scenes to give you guys out there the information and topics that you enjoy. So there we go. All right. So let's do this. We, we are going to call Shihan uh, Dai Vince Perry. So let's give him a call right now. And Bob, you get to answer when the phone is answered. Let me type this in here. And dial it in. I love dialing on um, on the internet. Isn't it great? I can make sure that this is the right number. Hold on. Okay, we're good. <clears throat> All right. Here we go, Bob. Hello. Yo, Vinny, we, how are you, my friend? Bob, how are we doing? I'm doing well. Well, I'm here with uh, uh, some of you may know, some of you may not. I'm here with the host of the show, uh, Rosita De Jesus, and we are also joined by five-time world kickboxing champion Kathy Long on the interview with you. Wow, wow, fantastic. <laughs> how you doing? Isn't that a cool thing? How are you doing? <laughs> I'm doing good. You, you're you know stealing what? my thing. You're stealing my thing. 
Yeah, that that Georgia twang, that Georgia twang gives me away every time. <laughs> every time, my friend. Oh my goodness! Well, thank you so much for joining us here on Dynamic. Day. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Yay! Well, I I, I hope uh, we're I hope we caught you at a good time and we're not uh, we're not uh, delving into any other time. I know you were busy on set earlier, correct? Yes, we just finished an episode of Hollywood Weapons. Nice. With uh, oh. Terry Shepard. Hollywood Weapons. Oh, hmm. <laughs> we might have Actually, yeah, we just and we filmed at the museum. Nice. How cool is that? Right on. That is very cool. So, yeah. Vinny, I, you know, we 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 really met. God, when did I start to stutter, Rusty? We really <laughs> met last <laughs> weekend at. At Vincent Sari Day, uh, the museum honored him, and we've been to to, to Art Camacho's Rose together. We did all these events at the same time, but we've never really met, and we met last weekend. Uh, very, yes, sir. very intimidating individual. He's a small guy, small skinny guy. He's about 120 pounds, and of course, I'm <laughs> kidding. He's like this big man, and but there's a dynamicism about him. He's Funny as hell. Great nice. comic. Uh, but Vinny, we start off because you've got such a rich history of, of training. Tell us about your martial weight, the, 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 the mar- your martial training that you started with. Where did you start and how did you end up here? I actually started in Florida in a little dojo in Hollywood, Florida. Because I had owned a nightclub, and in my nightclub, I watched the guy get stabbed in the neck. Hey. So as soon as the uh, arterial blood was flowing, all the bouncers that I had working there, and I had nine very big guys uh, working, they saw blood, and they all went running. So, you know, we had to deal with the situation. And the next day, I went out looking for a dojo, and I, I found a school in Hollywood, Florida. Oh, what uh, what did you study over there in that, in that school? I, I studied uh, jujitsu, Japanese jujitsu, uh-huh. and I met a terrific man by the name of Grandmaster uh, Leone Velasquez. He was Shihan then, and uh, I watched this man disarm two knives with. Uh, now that I know what they are, two ukis, but. Then I didn't know what they were. I watched two guys attacking me. I told them what I had saw, what I needed to know how to protect against next time. And he illustrated it. So when he illustrated it, I was like, wow, that's got to be a setup. Nobody can do that, those kind of things. I've never seen nothing like that. And uh, I said, do it to me. Mm-hmm. So with that, he did. <laughs> and uh, that was my first foray into understanding true martial combat, what, what uh, a practitioner is capable of. Wow. <laughs> wow. But, you know, they say that's one of the best ways to learn is to, you know, is to experience it. Um, so that's, that's pretty cool. Now, how, how long did you do, how long were you at that dojo? Gosh. Altogether, my training in Florida, New York, was 12 years. So under uh, Moses Powell and 
Grandmaster uh, Velasquez, Dr. Chanique, these were all out of Moses Powell's tree as well. Oh, nice. And Yeah, and then Moses Powell's teacher was a man called Florendo Visitation, who started Vijitsu Ru and Vijitsu Te, who was a magnificent, magnificent practitioner, five foot one, 115 pounds. He was 86 years old, and he beat me like I wasn't even there, and I was 250 at the time. My God, what a great practitioner he was. Yeah, Professor Wow. Lee, I, I, I wished I had the opportunity to meet him. Um, one of my mother, uh, one of my mother, one of my other martial arts brothers, I got rented lips today. I don't know why they're not working. But uh, one of my other martial arts brothers, uh, Master Daryl Sargent, um, he, um, he's a part of the Sanukis family. My, my first radio show that I did was actually Modern Combat Masters um, under uh, that. And it was actually a show that paid homage to Dr. Powell and, uh, and his arts of Bijapiru and Bijapute and um, all of the lineage that come underneath it. So I was I was actually pretty excited to hear that you had studied, you know, under the Sanukis uh, family tree. Because uh, yeah. I was trying to get my brother Daryl on here and I couldn't get a hold of him. So yeah, I have a fourth degree black belt under Dr. Powell directly in Sanukis, and he, yes, he is. Um, let me tell you, I. I like the realism of what they brought to the art. I like because most of the guys that practice Sanukis were from the streets. Right. And where right. where you better you know you better know how to how to fight if you live in, you know, the ghetto or some of these hoods or the Bronx or the South Bronx or some of these places that a lot of us come from. Placebo right. martial arts and katas just don't make it. Right. So Dr. Powell was very real, very street, you know. Um, I remember him teaching one time and saying, you know, to many of us that were there, but uh, it's one of his standards. He'd say, listen, don't mess with my soup. People like my recipe. Leave my soup alone. Serve my soup. <laughs> Serve soup my way. Everybody will like your recipe, too. <laughs> That's an interesting way to put it. I like it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Don't mess with my recipe, you would say. Now, last week, Finney, you were explaining to me about the branches of Dr. Powell. Can you go into that with a little bit, please? Sure. So, under uh, there was Master V, who was Vijitsu Ru and Vijitsu Te, and V Arnis. Uh, you know, Arnis fight. Then you had Dr. Powell, who started Sanuki. And then you had a man who was underneath him called Little John Davis who created Kumite Ru. Kumite Ru is also an offshoot of Sanukis, a daughter, if you may. Then there was another uh, offshoot that was called, um, that's the triangle. The, remember the triangle patch with the three on it that we were talking about? It was Vijitsu Ru, Sanukis, Sanukis Ru, and Kumite Ru was the family patch that we were wow. speaking about. Nice. Wow. Now, have you, have you ever studied out here? I know you're teaching here. You're, we actually live about a block from each other, literally. Uh, I know you're teaching. <laughs> have, you ever, have you ever studied in California? Well, here's the thing. When I came to California, I'd already had my uh, knee done uh, there, you know, here. And well, I came out here in 2000. 
And then I scooped, I, I was teaching, and then Benny Urquidez saw me in the park with like 30 guys one day and asked me why I didn't have a dojo. And I said, I have a dojo. I'm, I'm in the park. And he goes, yeah, but you need a building. I said, Jesus didn't have a building. <laughs> so he said, that's when he invited me to his dojo and, uh, on, uh, on Laurel Canyon, the Jets gym next to Gold's. And that's where I started uh, doing a jujitsu there. But I ended up training with Benny. And I learned for in the two and a half years I spent with Benny Urquidez, uh, Sensei, man, he filled me with a lot of wisdom, a lot of knowledge, and introduced me to the whole martial arts community through Dragon Festo 2 and so on. Oh, very cool. You know, it was interesting. We've, we've interviewed Sensei Benny, and he's got some stories. Because he grew up before the oh, it, it was amazing. This guy was incredible. Um, he's he, he was certainly a one of a kind, and and I tell you, um, his greatness is only matched by his humbleness. Mhm. Absolutely. Uh, now what? Now of course this is going to be a segue, but what brought you to California, other than a plane or a car? Uh, well, I I did a bunch of movies in Florida, and then I just I had finished uh, analyzed this where I was the hitman that I tried to kill De Niro in Miami. They threw me off the building. Fat Jelly throws me off the building. So that was a big picture. Got me some exposure, and then I did a film with James Con, Matthew Modine, uh, Cuba Gooding Jr. in South Florida, where I had a shootout with Matthew Modine and James Con. And Jimmy Conn come up to me after and said, man, he goes, I don't know why you're living in Miami, but you should get to L.A. You're a great actor. Your work is a bad guy all the time. <laughs> nice. So, you know, oh, well, and I okay, went. Okay, that opens up, well, that opens up another question. Do you feel, because you have been, you know, you have appeared in movies as a bad guy, have you, have you gotten to the point where you're now a stereotype? I wish I could make enough money to be a stereotype. <laughs> you I mean, listen, anybody would love to be a niche. I'm sure Tony Soprano didn't mind being niched, you know. Uh, right. If you if you're good at any one thing, people used to say to me, you know, you're going to get pigeonholed as this, you're going to get pigeonholed as that. I used to say, if you're lucky, but I've I've uh, done like. Out of 30 to 40 national commercials. I was on the Super Bowl. I had the 1998 World's Funniest Commercial. Um, I was on the, on the Oscars with Ellen DeGeneres, who tried to give me back a toga during the 2012 Oscars. So I've been in some of the biggest commercials in the world. I didn't play a tough guy in some of them. I played just a normal actor. So, well, you know? Now, i got to ask you this, because a friend of mine was in the commercial that won the best commercial for the Super Bowl. Which commercial was yeah, that you were in? Mafia Movie Madness. Oh, okay. Because there was one out where uh, the, a football player, the gist of it was he got traded for a case of beer. He got traded to another team. I, and I okay, thought because I he just, was a big guy, you were there. No, I, I, I misspoke. Let me clarify. Mafia Movie Madness, we won Project, we won Project Greenlight with Mafia Movie Magic. We won Project Greenlight with that one first. That played on 19,500 screens across America for six months. That was like the greatest exposure you could get. And the next one was 
that was the Bud Light. It's the Bud Light cut the cheese. That was the one I did. It was with Jim, me and Jimmy Matteo in the deli. Nice. Wow. What? I haven't seen that one. What? No. Oh, you no, got it. Yeah, it's called cut the cheese. I'll have to look it up. I'll have to look it up. Yeah. Uh, now, you're doing a new project. Uh, I don't know how new it is. Somebody told me it was new. But you're doing something. Now, Now, if I ask you something, you've got a hush order on or, or down to the closer, just tell me and we'll move on. But you're doing something yeah. on Kimmel. Yes, I just um, – actually, I've been on Kimmel four times before doing uh, hidden camera stuff with Cousin Sal's Home Delivery. So I've had some success with some of that. The carpet cleaner being my first one that went crazy on the internet afterwards. You got big rating for that. And then we did a few more after. So the one they just called me to do now is me and Jimmy and cousin Sal and aunt Chippy sitting at the table, having an argument about directions. (laughs) So they brought me in now as the character cousin Vinny on the show. Nice. (laughs) <laughs> Outstanding. Now, did now I, I remember something you were saying about going to New York to do that one. Am I wrong? No, the show is being shot from Brooklyn uh, this yeah. week and next week. And we shot that to go with the Italian theme stuff and how, you know, Jimmy's family is at home. There's only four, five, four or five of us sitting around the table. And me and Jimmy are having, you know, kibitzing basically while we're eating pasta, meatballs, you know what I mean? And yelling. Mm-hmm. Wow. But the the show's being shot in Brooklyn, and this is going to be an insert during one of those shows. <laughs> oh, nice. So who do you feel is your biggest influence in the arts that, you, that you've had to date? In the arts or in the martial arts? The martial arts, yes. Holy mackerel. What a question. Yeah. <laughs> No, you know why? Because I can name a hundred guys that I admire and I've learned something from. I learned something from almost everybody I meet, you know? I mean, so, I mean, which knowledge is more important? Who's more endearing? I mean, you go to, you know, you remember like um, Bill Ryasaki, Grandmaster Bill Ryasaki. I remember yeah. some of the wisdom. He came to my dojo before he just passed. Um, Howard Jackson, I remember having some great moments with him before he passed, you know? Um just some really great Moses Powell, Master V, some great martial arts guys that are gone. But I mean, when you say who influenced you the most, that's such a hard question, you know. Um, it's such a hard question. Well, I will say that the ones that I, that that influenced me the most are the ones that did film, because they were the ones that inspired you to walk in a dojo in the first place. Oh, absolutely! I agree. How many times have you heard? I was inspired by Bruce Lee. I was inspired by Chuck Norris because they were doing right. film. Uh, now, of course, a mutual friend, a friend of my wife's, uh, Joe Montagna, which she's known for 30 years, is a dear friend of yours. You live in one of his rental houses. How did you come into <laughs> meeting Joe and moving into a maybe a new aspect of your career? Um. Joe, first off, is a super class act, uh, probably the greatest celebrity I've met in my life. Uh, somebody so high up that's so humble, is uh, he's a great man. So he changed my life. Um, the second thing is that 
He would, I was the chief. If you guys remember, Jimmy Kimmel used to do the Feast of San Gennaro at the El Capitan in the back. We did it for 14 years with his cousin, Aunt Potenza and Aunt Chippy, and everybody was there. I was head of security for that event. So I used to do uh, all the celebrity shadowing. So I get a call and they say, uh, you know, go to the gate. There's two celebrities here, and it's Dennis Franz and Joe Montaigne. So on the way there, I had picked up a, a crappy, if you remember those, you remember those cheap Kodak cameras we used to buy for six bucks and you could throw them away when you were done, use them one yeah, time absolutely. and took the film out? Yep. So I'm on the way to the, to the event, and I don't got a camera, and it was before the camera phones and all that. So I grabbed one of those cheap cameras. I stuff it in my pocket, and I figure, okay, if I get an opportunity to meet some celebrities and get some pictures, great, you know? So he comes walking in with Dennis Franz. Dennis Franz is going to give Joe a Lifetime Achievement Award from the Italian community. So they're coming in, and the photographer who ends up being Don Barris, Jimmy Kimmel's guy, stops everybody to take some professional photos, like a step-and-repeat line. So right then, I unfold my camera, and I give it to one of my security guys. I go, let me get in there and get a picture. Go ahead, take a picture of this. And I, I, go, uh, I go, Mr. Martini, is it okay if I get in while you're there? And he's like, sure, come on. So I get in, and with the, me and him and Dennis are sitting there arm in arm, and this kid can't, doesn't know how to use the camera. Then he's trying to wind it, and, like, Joe's getting this frustrated look on his face. And then, then finally the thing winds, and he goes to take it, and Joe goes, this is the first thing Joe ever said to me. Hey, why don't you buy a real camera and take that Cracker Jack box with that monocle and get rid of it? So, <laughs> That's funny. So with that, I don't want the guy to know it's mine. I snatched the camera away from the guy and I go, what are you doing bothering a important celebrity with pictures? We got business here. Get out of the way. Don't ever do that again. <laughs> That's how I met Joe. Oh, that's funny. Oh, amazing. Uh, no, Joe's a really nice guy. I was driving in the Hollywood Christmas Parade when he was Grand Marshal. Very uh, nice guy. Yeah, he, he, you know, you just, I, 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 I dare you to find anybody who'll say a bad word about him. How's that? That's a statement. Mm-hmm. Especially oh, in this town. Oh, yeah. Well, but then if they ever did, they'd have you to deal with. Nah, come on. He's a, <laughs> no, he's, a, he's a, just a tremendous, a tremendous gentleman. He actually, oh, I tell you, you ask me who I admire, I admire him because that's how I want to do it. You get his, I would like to be as smart as he was with his career and how he, where he's at. He's, he was a very, he's a very smart man. Oh, and one <laughs> hell of an actor. I think one of my favorite parts he's ever done was uh, on uh, oh that Larry the Cable Guy movie where he played the doctor. He was brilliant <laughs> in that little tiny ass part. Absolutely brilliant. Now you're also a stand up comic, very funny man. Uh, do you get now? I, I do a little bit, but do you get? How do you get your material? Let me ask you that. When you do your bits. God, I just, you know, now I tell stories. Uh, I just tell stories of my life. I had where I, you know, you put it, you got to have an act and a bit. You want to go out and you want to work the circuit. You got to have your stick. And, you know, I find it doing the same stick again and again and again and again and again to be so redundant. It reminds me of doing 
you know, 3,000 katas for no, you know, just to, to do the kata. It's like, it, to me, it's redundant. I like it to do improv. I like it to be fresh, mm-hmm. you know? Oh, dude, I thought, it, dude, when you, when you started in, when that girl saw that squirrel last week, I thought I was going to wet myself. That was so funny. <laughs> the, way you, the way you picked up on that, I was like, oh, my God, that was brilliant. Uh, well, for example, and the reason I asked you this, Vinny, is have you really been th- – because this happens every day. Have you ever really been threatened by somebody to give you a bad review on Yelp? That actually <laughs> happened to me. That actually it happened did. to me. I'm not that's that was real. I I I said, Did you just threaten me with Yelp? And and he goes, Yeah. And I'm like, Oh my God, I've heard it all now. I mean, I've heard it all. <laughs> I'd love to hear the story. <laughs> wait, wait, I didn't even know what Yelp was. I go, get me this guy Yelp. Find this guy Yelp. <laughs> I'm not getting threatened by no short guy named Yelp. <laughs> You've been threatened by Yelp, right? What's that? Have Have you ever been threatened by Yelp, Rusty? Um. Well, no, I actually was uh, not threatened. Um. Uh, not by Yelp. I was actually. Um. Actually, it wasn't really threatened. It was more like they they put me in a different category. So that way I wasn't martial arts. And that happened in two places. It happened in Yelp and it happened um, in a local local area contest over here. And um, I was neck and neck with a Taekwondo school for first place for being the best in Washington State or whatever uh, via votes. So he stuck my school under um, a different category. So I got put in the health and fitness category instead of martial arts. So people could vote for me, but they were voting for a health and fitness uh, facility, right. not martial arts well, so he and what's so funny, Vinny, you you got threatened with someone for Yelp. People are actually using it to extort money from businesses to get refunds. I'm, I'm telling like you, I'm I'm telling you, I watched this guy pull this like a gun. <laughs> <laughs> and bit and it's funny because businesses take it very seriously now. Oh, it's 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 such a crazy world we live in. I mean, are you kidding me? You 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 know, you're walking around with a, a heavy duty computer threatening people with a bad review. You remember what I said at our Camacho's roast? You remember what did I say, Bob? I said you can't mess around because you you might in a comedy club if you die, a lot of guys die. But in a martial arts community, if you die up on stage, they give you an ass kicking. <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's the truth. Yeah, they're like, you ain't funny, so you won't mind the beating. <laughs> How true is that? So what was oh, what was one of the most profound moments you've had in, in the martial arts? Good question. The most profound moment? Yeah. The most profound moment? Is that what you said? Um, I, I asked you first, yes. I, I'll tell you. <laughs> um, the first time I was able to control the rage. Oh, nice. Okay. Wow. okay. That? The first time I was able to control the rage, I was, um, I had a very, very, very bad temper. Italian, go figure. And, uh, <laughs> Mob boss, go figure. Yeah. And, and I kind of worked, I kind of worked in the streets, you know, with, uh, oh, Italian politicians. Yeah. Say, remember? Yeah. You know, I collected for UNICEF. So, 
I was already like, you know what I'm saying. I was already a tough kid, so you know martial arts had to be real. But 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 what happened was I was late. I was racing to get to the dojo to meet with Leoni um, Velasquez, uh, Maso Velasquez. I was running to meet with him, and we had to go down to meet Moses Powell at another seminar in Miami at the other school, and I missed my exit, and I'm late. And as I'm pulling off, I got my gi on, I got my black belt around my neck, and I tried to go. You know when you see a cutout on the right, when you're going to make a right on the red, and, you t- and it turns out to be a bus lane, you can't get, you got to pull back out of it? Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I pulled it, I pulled into one of those, and two kids in a convertible cougar, yellow cougar, like a 69 cougar, started screaming, cursing, flipping me off, and all this stuff. And I jumped out of the car and I started marching at them and I was about to like a 250 at the time. I got my gi open, I got my black butt around me and I'm I'm enraged and I'm coming up to the car and I see the kid looking at me in the mirror and as I, every step I take, he gets shorter in the front seat. He's sliding down towards the firewall. Like, of course he is. <laughs> so I come up to the car and my wife screams from the truck, Don't do it, don't So, <laughs> the poor kid, I looked at him. I mean, if I'd have went boo, he would have left a stain on the front seat of the car. I mean, he was already dead. And uh, I said, I made a mistake. I apologize. Can you forgive me? And... He had a voice like Radar O'Reilly from MASH, and he was kind of like, okay. <laughs> I'll let it go this time. But wait a minute. All the things you could have said. Yeah, but don't let it happen again. All the things you could have said. You immediately, you immediately diffused the whole situation by exactly what you said. Well, you know what? I realized that was the first time I realized uh, mercy, compassion, mercy. Mm-hmm. There's no reason to do anything. Like, and later on, you find that out when you're fighting. That after a guy's down, you don't keep beating him. You know, it's not it's not honorable. Right. No, it isn't. You know, and at some point, you realize you can afford to be very kind. You know, what is what is the likelihood of somebody going to come up and put their hands on you that's got your kind of skill? If any, and I'm not just talking about me, I'm talking about any great, any good practitioner of any art form that does their time and knows some sort of self-defense skill. They're pretty confident and they usually got two or three good moves in them. So they're really not likely that they're going to get jumped or bothered. Mm-hmm. They don't really attract that to them. Right. And you and the truth of the matter is, is that I don't think that we teach. I think that well, the way I teach is very old school, you know, Japanese jujitsu. And, um, you know, we don't wear the pads. Everything's bare knuckle, barefoot. That, you know, but we do have keys, obviously. And right. um, but the truth of the matter is, is that um, I want them to be individuals and I want them to have as much compassion as they do combative. them. You know, I want them to be able to do a 180 both sides, you know, they have to, you know, not hesitate, don't hesitate, I, you know, go that place, but also, you know, know how to turn it off. You can't, you know, you got to turn it off. Mm-hmm. 
Absolutely. Now, how many how many students do you have under you right now? I know you teach out of a backyard, which most everybody here has studied out of the out of a backyard at one time. So, how well, many it's, students? It's do actually you have it's actually uh, it's a multiple car garage that's been converted to a school to a training center. So it's not really like out in the out in the yard anymore. But um, actually, I love it because I get twenty twenty five on a mat at a clip. And the the truth is, that's a real nice room. That's plenty, you know. That's plenty. I probably got between twenty five is 50. a good number. Yeah, to have on the mat in a class. Any more than that is just, you know. I and I run two hour classes, not one hour classes, because let's face it. By the time you're done with stretching and PT, you already burned half of that half the hour. Nice. I appreciate that. So, so I just want to remind our viewers and listeners out there that if you uh, uh, if you want to call, give us a call at three four seven six six seven seven zero six nine nine. However, what you want to do is press one because you're not going to automatically be connected with us. If that was the case, we'd have like fifteen people calling, and everyone would be it'd be a cacophony, and we you know we don't want that. So everyone is actually gets on. Um, they're automatically on hold. If you want to talk to us, you want to press one on your keyboard, and that puts you in the caller queue. So, speaking of which, somebody did press one. Let's go ahead and grab this line. Um, area code eight one eight eight one eight. You're on Dynamic JoJo Talk Radio. Who's this? James Wilson. It's James Wilson. <laughs> my, my brother James. James. It's James. So I'm to this. I, I, I enjoy listening to this. You always got something wise to say and something wise ass too. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm enjoying it. Hey, Vince, um, how well do you, you, you know Chuck Zito, right? Say again? I said, you know Chuck Zito, right? I have met Chuck several times, yes, sir. It's good, and you get along with him good, right? Yeah, Chuck's a good guy. I like Chuck. Yeah, yeah, I do too. He's a friend of mine. So, so we're looking at the martial arts kid too. And I spoke to the director the other day about you working some scenes with Chuck. That that sound good to you? Oh, that'd be fantastic. Okay, so uh, if I'm not mistaken, Chuck is a Go ahead. Say that again. If I'm not mistaken, isn't Chuck a Kumite Ru guy under Little John Davis? I, I know. I know he, he takes quite a few styles. He's in jujitsu right now. Yeah, Bob, that's one of uh, the Kumite Ru. I think he's off the tree of Dr. Powell too. Okay. Well, but anyway, so I'm going to be interested you about that. And that's why I called to Robert, and you're the first to hear it. Oh, thank you so much, man. That's awesome. You, you got it, so I'll be in touch with you real soon. Oh, fantastic. Thank you so much. You got it. Okay, Vince, I'm going to let you guys go. That's the only reason I called. Wow. And I'm going to listen wow. in a little longer, too. Well, well bless you. Right. That was so nice. Talk to you guys later. Thanks, Jay. Yeah. Nice. 
There wow, you go. Right? Cool. Yeah, I like, boy, do I like this show. We get people work. I know. We get people work. We'll just have we'll just have everyone on the show. So that way. Why? I, why? Why do I have an agent when I all I got to do is call your radio show? There you go. Yeah. <laughs> of course, and now he has the door. That's a darn good agent. question. Yeah. There you go. You know. You know. We're just, How cool we're just, is that? We're just blessed to know people like like James and, and stuff like that. So I guess it's a, I guess it's a <laughs> So yeah, I can't wait. He's a great guy. Next uh, portion of uh, the martial arts kid. It'd be great to have you and Chuck Zito in a, in some scenes. Oh, that'll be badass with a capital B. <laughs> well, yeah, Chuck's, well, you Chuck's remember what Chuck did? In, you remember what Chuck did in the first martial arts kid? He was in like one scene right at the end, but it opened yeah. up for a sequel. So may, maybe he'll have a much larger part this time. Yeah, yeah, that's, oh, what, that's, I'm what, I'm that's what I'm hoping for. Because you know, I mean, to have. To have you, Vince, and, and Chuck, like, fighting, it's like, <laughs> wow, you know, like, two huge bulls fighting. It's going to be a scene. That's <laughs> going to be, I said, that's badass with a capital B. So, Chuck's kind great. Of, it, he's great. It yeah. is, because Chuck's in really good shape. He's a really big guy as well against Vinny. That, that would be a great, great scene. So, Vinny, what's, what's next for you uh, in both Marshall and uh, – and uh, uh, TV, movies, do you have anything coming up other than Jimmy Kimmel? Or are you working on some things you may or may not be able to talk about? Well, we're, we have, we well, have all movies. Well, you just heard what he got is, offered. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, besides the Marshall. That's obviously kid. coming up. <laughs> yeah. I, I got to tell you, that's a new one for me, man. That's a, that was a first. That was a first. That was a great surprise. Yeah, what a surprise. Yeah, um, so the Jimmy Kimmel thing will be coming out soon. I'll definitely, you know, I'll keep in, we'll keep it out on Facebook and I'll keep you apprised of when it comes out. Um, you know, the guys can always go see the other ones. They're, you know, the carpet cleaner and the throwing eggs and some of the other ones that I did. It's on Cousin Sal's Home Delivery. So if you want to see those, they're they're hilarious. And now is my TV show called Vinny, which is about helping victims. Oh, hold on. Uh-oh, where's that sound? Well, it's been four years, and I tell you what, it's been quite a ride. Bob and I have worked so hard these last few years to make the show what it is and to continue to improve on it. And we pride ourselves at having a show that isn't just a regular interview show. In fact, it's more of a variety show. Wouldn't you say so, Bob? You know, Rusty, that is a very good way to put it. We love to have fun on this show. We just love to laugh and having. I have no idea what happened there. <laughs> what did you do? This is the, did, the great thing about I, live live radio, Vinny. <laughs> I didn't press a dang thing. I didn't either. Okay, but it's just a ghost in the machine. Yeah, that's, that's, that's right. Absolutely. <laughs> now, all the, all these things that you mentioned, Vinny, they're all probably on YouTube where we can search certain things. Yeah, just YouTube my name, and they all come up. Oh, do that. Oh, very cool. That'll be great. 
Oh, dude. You know, it was so funny. His sister got up on stage and told a story about she had to take promo pictures with this famous guitar player. And if it wasn't for Vinny, she wouldn't have been able to take those pictures. Oh. Ah. <laughs> huh. that's so nice. My sister and I have been at a lot of a lot of events together. Nice. Oh, she was great. I love your sister. And how old is your ne- is your nephew? My nephew is a month old. Wow. Wow. A month or two months old. So I mean, he, he was wearing a shirt that said, "What, what does the shirt say? My hero is my uncle, or my uncle is my what? hero." Aww. Yes, exactly. Yeah. How cute was yeah. that? That was adorable. <laughs> they kept they kept saying that the kid looks like me, and I kept saying all I did was shake a hand. Don't not put that on me. <laughs> well, he did have your haircut. Yeah, well, he has more hair than me in two months, and that's what really pisses me off. <laughs> All right, we've got a question from um, from one of our viewers, uh, Grandmaster Daryl Sargent, who who's also on the Tanukas line, and he asks, um, he asks, so have you? Uh, he's asking me this. Have you asked what the difference is between a Tanuki and Tanukas? So we'll ask. We'll ask what? You that. Um, he, wants to, he wants to know what the difference is between Temiru and Sanukis. Temiru? Temiru, yeah. Bob, are you are you crunching a potato chips? Because we can hear that. Sorry. <laughs> oh my god! Crunch, 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 crunch. So yeah, Grandmaster Daryl wants to know. Um, you know, if you can. Um, I remember Grandmaster Daryl. I'm almost positive I know who this is. Um, from Sanukis, right? Yeah. Correct. Yes. Darryl. Yes. Um, the the only thing difference in Sanukis and the Temiru were the politics. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, politics. It's, uh, you know, well, you know, every warrior deals with politics. You know, when you got seventy-two masters under the same roof, how many? Not enough Indians, too many chiefs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I try to avoid politics every chance I get, but sometimes you can't avoid so it. You know, politics is just merely two people speaking to each other. That's really what politics are. You know, I had a politician explain that to me once. But the truth of the matter is, is um, I think that um, all schools are run by good leadership. And a strong leadership knows how to keep rank and file. You know? Mm-hmm. Um, yep, I that's what I that, And I think that I know that, especially in Dr. Powell's thing, because of how the family all got broken up, like I think it's, three different factions, some with who got the name Sanukas and stuff after Dr. Powell died. There's always some politics in there somewhere. And to tell you the truth, the reason I started American Old School Jiu-Jitsu is I just wanted the passion of the fighting arts of Jiu-Jitsu, and I did not want to spend all my time with this political nonsense that is a cancer to the martial arts. Amen. <clears throat> 
Wow. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I I had um, I heard something on the radio about uh, it was a definition of politics. It was a woman. And uh, he said she was talking to the host about something. It was like right after the election. Um, So anyway, she said politics really is when people have just their own expression and their own view um, of what they believe the founder's vision is. And it can differ from time to time. Um, you know, some people would say that. Some people, yeah, some people would say that, you know, it's possible that people can lose sight of what a founder's uh, vision is for that organization. Um, and 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 many other different things, and that's and like you said, Vince, you know, politics is really just two people talking to each other. I that was the first time I've ever heard it like that, and it makes sense, you know. Um, yeah. Yeah, and it's and it's uh, yeah, politics. Eh, I try to avoid that also. You know, the martial arts. Look at it this way: is a microcosm of people from all walks of life, all creeds, all colors, sexes. Religions. When nobody ever asked you what you were when you got on the mat, nobody cared. You step on the mat, you're a practitioner, you're a brother or a sister, and even if you're a male or a female, we're going to hit you the same way. There's no gray area there. You're treated with respect. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Amen. You know? Thank you. Very true. Very true. So, so what we try to do is. Listen, obviously, everybody moves differently. Everybody has different instincts. We're not, we're not, if we're going to duplicate the, or the, or the, the founders' origins of what they wanted and how they wanted it taught, but are they in the same time that we're fighting today? You know, tasers, we're dealing with tasers, expandable batons, different weapons that are today's weapons that weren't yesterday's weapons. So, like, when we're working with the military and we're teaching them how to deal with uh, third world countries or any country that's poor, generally they have machete, a machete. Why? Mm -hmm. It's a cheap lethal weapon and most farmers and peasants get their hands on it. Right. So we practice with what? The wakasashi. So that would be something that could cross over, you know, with time. But I mean, to practice a naginata, how many guys are going to ride up to you on the Metro on a horse and stab you? I mean, uh, come on. With something that's like nine feet long, exactly. <laughs> you know, all my experience has been working with security forces, you know, military and, and off the grid stuff. Nothing that has anything to do with tapping out. Mm-hmm. Amen. Thank you. Very true. Uh, now, so, can we talk about Now, I know, I know, Vinny, you've trained law enforcement, uh, both federal, local. Uh, is that something you can t- tell us about and how you got into it? Nice. Um, I got into it through necessity, and I really got into it after 9-11 because the loophole in security and tactics was so horrific to a martial artist, especially after we saw the very first plane hit the tower, and they told us how those poor flight attendants were massacred with their hands behind their back at the day, at the gate. I became an FAA safety counselor, aviation safety counselor in 2001 after the 9-11 attacks to work on 
protecting commercial aviation and dealing with working with sky marshals and then Homeland security eventually became evolved. But during that time, uh, all the way up to 2004, I became aviation safety counselor of the year. And all we did was make practical self-defense and give them teamwork. And I also created that weapon that you saw, which is, you know, many martial arts practitioners create something or have something that's their go-to weapon. But, um, I made it for the purpose of flight attendants working on a plane in a close quarter proximity. So that's 9-11 is why I really got into the law enforcement and military stuff after that. And, and you really branched out to like FBI and, and local guys and that sort of thing. Uh, is the weapon that you've designed a part of your every class type curriculum with the law enforcement agencies? Well, I went down and taught the Royal Cayman Police Force. I mean, Grand Cayman Island. There's 320 of those guys, and they don't carry firearms because they're they're like the, uh, what is it, the, the G5s in, in England? They don't carry. Right. They don't carry uh, weaponry. They carry just, you know, the stick, the baton, but they don't carry firearms. So my weapon is super practical for them for noncompliant subjects. Now, tell us a little bit about your weapon. The only thing I can compare it to was a Kubaton. Kubaton you know what? Master, Master Kubota was very smart. He, he, knew, he took something and he made something great out of it. And he really, remember that, because, like Bruce, he was the first to really put one out there even before Gene LaBelle's, he's got the club one, you know? You remember he used to have his little bat, a little club? So, and then if you know um, Spice uh, Williams, Spice, you know Spice. Lossy. yep, I know Spice. Yeah, I know Spice. Well, Spice, she's got one, too, called Boo Boo Kitty. That's like a kitten one that's on a keychain weapon. So all of us come up with these different things. You know what I'm talking about now? Yeah. Uh-huh. So all no, of us what, have these different weapons. Uh-huh. And and for me, the thing that I the very first thing that I think about when we're talking about anything with hand to hand combat is is it, how many moves does it take to be effective? If it's more than three moves, nobody's gonna use it at all. It's too many moves, it's too much, too much, too much. It's gotta be one, two, three, and that's it. You know? Right. One, two, three. So with the weapon you know, what, what made sense was what did every flight attendant with the parameters that we had to deal with, they said that, that a flight attendant goes anywhere from 22 years old to like 53 years old at that time. This is what, you know, the, the TSA, this is what we got from FBI and FAA statistics so that we knew what we wanted to introduce to help them. And then I asked them, what is the, what is the, every piece of equipment that they use that would be second nature to them so that they would have some sort of muscle memory, synopsis memory to, to grabbing that particular item, you know? So um, like a bartender would reach for his bottle opener. It's on his hip. He knows exactly where it is. If he's opening a hundred bottles an hour, he knows exactly where that thing is. So under that premise, we started with, they all carry a mag light on their hip. So that's one. I tell them, grab your mag light. They grab their mag light with their hand, with their thumb up. I already have the first move. I just had to show them two and three. So I designed the weapon to start from that position. 
And that's how that particular design of, of the Patriot keychain came about. Now, the, the second thing is that it's on your keychain. So if you give it to your wife or your, your kid or, you know, somebody you love, your sister, your mom, they're going to the car. Somebody tries to carjack them, grabs their keys. You can just, uh, you know, sneak you or, or lock up a, lock him up with a uh, compression on the ulna or the radius bone, and you can totally lock him down because of the way that it has to submerge. It, it compresses the nerve, which makes pain compliance. And then the second thing is learning how to use Kubitori tactics with the weapon, which make uh, you know non-compliant subjects to start totally compliant after you get that on them. Well, now how long did it take you to design it? I actually went through about 11 different designs before I came up with this one. And the first run of this one, and I made them out of polycarbonate injection mold material. Wow. And then they have grips so that they're made for a female's hands. So that's if a lady's got it in your hands. What if you're an officer working in Chicago in the snow? Your hands might be wet. You might have gloves. You might have ice on them, whatever. You, something could slip out of your hand. Everything that is done with this particular keychain is thought about combatively. Now, I put the coupon through its paces myself in my dojo. I've got, I've got a few different ones. And if you notice the coupon, okay, Bobby, remember how the coupon has a it's either made of wood or plastic and it has a screw a little little tiny screw in the end that attaches to a keychain holder that your keys go on are you with me oh you betcha oh yeah so what happens if somebody grabs the weapon or your keys you're going to lose one there's no way that little screw can handle that force right that was my first problem with the particular device then second thing was it's too short it doesn't provide, again, this is me talking about my methodology of arrest and control, not talking about any inadequacy in Master Kaboto's stuff. I think he's fabulous, okay? What I'm uh-huh. saying is the way that we apply a Nikyu mm-hmm. or Sankyu or Kubitori, it's more beneficial with a weapon that's slightly longer and has mm-hmm. grips on it. So the guarantee it locks into, like a screamer has those niches in it sometimes to lock into the joints. Right. Nice. Wow. Now, did you pattern it in size after the mini mag light that the stewardesses carry? No. I patented in size to the human hand and averaging... Mm -hmm. Uh, more towards a smaller female hand, but not to where a bigger man couldn't use it. It has two particular heads on it. It's got a, a sharper edge to go through any kind of padding or down. If you know, again, somebody's going to stop playing. Right, right. And then you have the other, then you have the other side is even if they had body armor on, it's got the subclavicle notch or the tracheal notch um, head on it. You know, if you're in an active shooter situation or something, you you grab one of these guys, you get behind him, you put that uh, that lock behind his trachea. Now you have him totally submissive and using him as a shield against you know potential second and third bad guy. Nice. Oh, absolutely. Uh, now, because somebody happened to ask me, this is why I brought it up. He said last week, "Did you shake Vince's hand?" I said, yeah, you couldn't even tell I had a hand. 
it was like gone. And I have, I have, I have good sized man hands, and I couldn't. And, and this guy said it was like a vice grip. I said I couldn't tell. My hand was gone. <laughs> <laughs> was I tell you, he's got a hand, Frank. Too. Oh, was that Ken? Oh, Fra- Frank, dear friend. No, of mine. it's okay. Frank Absolutely. Too. Yeah, he's got a hand like a first baseman's glove. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, Frank Dukes' hand is huge. Yeah. yeah. He makes a fist and my head disappears behind it. It's, yeah. Well, you know what they say yeah. big hands equal big gloves. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I heard the same thing from his wife. Sorry, Frank. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, and don't no, forget I'm the big feet. Hey, Vinny, I'm, I'm no. curious. Do you know who Tom Petiri is? Say again? Do you know Tom Petiri? I know this name. Yep. Uh, tell me, tell me where. He's in, he's no. in uh, New Jersey. Oh. I'm sorry, no. But I, I the name sounds very familiar to me. He's a... He's a New Jersey guy with a Korean martial arts. But he also had, um, a, a system that he that he uh, taught all over. Uh, I was just curious because you're from back east. I figured you might have might have run into him or said hi to him. Yeah, you know, we you meet so many people in these things, and a lot of us, you know, you know each other by face, but not by name. Sometimes, you know. Yep, I know how that goes. Especially, I mean, remember, yeah, yeah. We, we get hit, we get hit a lot. Yeah, I, we do, and you know, and then a lot of people say, "Oh, remember meeting? I remember meeting you ten years ago over at this event, and you remember talking to me, and we talked about this and this." And it was like, "Let uh, <sighs> <laughs> <laughs> me just go." I'm so sorry, I don't remember. Yeah, it's not good. <laughs> I, I say, I think that we are. Um, I think that we're blessed as a community. I think that we're blessed if you have an opportunity to teach. You know, I think you're you're totally blessed in that. And uh, couldn't agree. You know, more. you have a big responsibility. You have a big responsibility. You know, you call yourself a teacher. Well, you know, your master hung your title on you, but you call yourself a teacher. You know, and you go out there and teach. The the biggest thing is that. Um, I find is when you mix money and martial arts it blurs all the lines of the true students to the, you know, where, where guys trying to make a living versus trying to teach truth and, 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 and polishing the students and not worrying about those things because it's become such a business nowadays, you know? Yeah. You're right. And there is nothing wrong with earning a living with teaching martial arts. However, you know, oftentimes people, when they open a school, they forget they forget why they opened the school in the first place. Watched it happen where you go from loving to teach and loving to help people and feeling a sense of accomplishment when you see the light bulb turn on in somebody's eyes to falling in love with the money instead. And I've, I've watched it, sadly, with people who used to be good instructors but suddenly turned to the money. And it's, it's so unfortunate because they lose sight sometimes of why they opened yeah. the school. Yeah. Yeah, they you know, unfortunately there's a nut to pay when you got the school and everything, you know, but 
the, right. the truth of the matter is you got to, you know, you're not doing it. It's passion. Agreed. But there's always a balance, that's, that's right? Very true. Well, I'll I tell you the truth. I like, I like, I don't have a sign. I'm not a commercial anything. The truth of the matter is you got to, they, they usually know somebody that says, uh, you know, they, I usually meet them and then, you know, we see if they fit. So truthfully, uh, getting students has never really been a problem. What's a problem is, is to keep, once they start going up in rank, to keep, you're teaching men, you know, you're teaching men how to do these things. And sometimes, you know, their egos get away with them. You got to, you know, keep guys in check. Mm-hmm. I just got to It does know. happen. It absolutely does. Yeah. I just got a note from no. uh, Master ah. Daryl Sargent. And Daryl Sargent, Darryl, um, I think Daryl is still listening, and he says, um, I think he might have to, uh, he might have uh, had to uh, leave the uh, online feed, but he says, please, please give my blessing, and uh, it's an honor to be remembered by him. So, and I told him I will forward the blessing. So he sends his blessings and his uh and his best wishes to you. Yeah, I remember him now. He was a he was a, a real. He always had a big smile on. Always had a oh. big smile on. Always. Yeah, yeah Daryl's a good guy. Very humble man. Very humble yeah. guy. Very, Indeed. Very humble and incredible. Incredible. Yeah. So you know, who knows? The cool thing is, is that he might be. You might be getting a message from him to be on his radio show. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> you know, I, I love being part of the community. I love I love doing these things and talking to other practitioners and hearing everybody's, uh, you know, voices and opinions on things. And I like that when people communicate in a civil manner and everybody just communicates some uh, some wisdom and some knowledge, which is really, you know, what we're supposed to be about instead of everybody trying to one-up each other all the time, you know? Absolutely, Vinny. And, you know, and, and even if you... Coming from you. Well, and even if, let's say, you and I have differences of opinion, we can still go out and have a beer. Indeed. You know, Benny, Benny one of the things Benny Arquita One of the great things Benny Arquita said, uh, Bob, was we were we were doing a couple of things, and then he said, look... Um, you, it's not that guys are wrong. It's that they're just looking from a different point of view, a different window. And then he walked around. He goes, look at this beam. Now take a step to the left. Now look at it. And, he, you know, he really made a tremendous uh, 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 inspiration to my teaching because he's right. Teachers teach you something. They're 100% correct. But if you go from another point of view, from another teacher, he's also 100% correct in his perception. But you don't have the same point of angle of perception. Right. So an argument is futile. Yeah. Wow. Completely. That's a great perspective to look at. Because, a you know, of energy uh, she, on top of that. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. You know? Because, you know, one thing... And Gordon Deversola said years ago, as you know, there's one to 14 variations of every attack. And there's a one to 14 de- deviations from that attack. So it, it, that's sort of an analogy, what you just said. If you take the same 
aspect and take it from a different angle, it's going to be as effective but mean a different thing. Right. Indeed. You know, like we say, we're a microcosm for everybody to follow. And if everybody could be civilized and humble and res- you beat each other, you, let's face it, we're hitting each other. We're physically hitting each other. We're knocking each other down. We're emotionally compromising each other when we're in a class. We're spiritually challenging each other. We're mentally challenging each other. And then what do we do? We hug and kiss and bow out together. Yes. Right. So that, if that can be done in a world of hand-to-hand combat, that should be able to be duplicated on the world stage. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Absolutely. It's it's like when Rusty, and, and you know how tests go. You hammer your students. You, they're doing push-ups. They're doing everything. You're, you're, you're torturing them. And then they're, not only are they paying you to test and to kick their butt, they're also taking you out to dinner after the test saying, thank you for killing me. I love <laughs> right. that. You know, yeah, and that's you know, and it's uh, it, and it's and it's a good one to understand that because I've had I've had people quit, and we I know all of us have had had this happen. I've had people quit because yeah. they weren't they had an expectation of what they thought they were going to be, and they weren't getting it, nor did they understand the steps to get there. I had someone quit one of my Tai Chi classes because it wasn't spiritual enough, quote unquote. And and I was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> you know? <laughs> and, you know, and... But that was clearly his perception. Yeah, that was his per- perception. Right. Now, is it correct? Now, if we look at it, you know, in, in this um, in this 360... For him, it's correct. For him, it's correct. It is, because Tai Chi does have a spiritual aspect to it. It's just that this class wasn't what... Yeah, it wasn't like sitting down on a cushion and meditating and moving things. Yeah, you know what? He couldn't have taken it that way. He chose to see it as as a non-spiritual activity. That's how that was his choice. Exactly. Exactly. True. True. Very true. But that's his choice. Exactly. I'm not dissing on him, but the point being is that, you know, he... Um, in comparison to like people that you know pay people to, to beat them up, is that you know warriors know you know that there's a process to becoming one. Um, sages know that there's a process to becoming a sage, and um, absolutely. You know, there's, and there's just you know there's just some people um, out there that. But I guess just assume that it, it can take a day to become that warrior, a day to become that sage, you know, um, anyway. But the point being is that, uh, you know, when you, get the, when you get a whole bunch of people that understand the way, um, like uh, Vince was talking about, you know, to be able to get beat and not take it personally, not try to one-up each other and not try to, and, and to be able to hug and kiss and, and say, okay, let's do it again next time. I'll buy you beer. You know that's that's awesome. You know it. it, it that it, that it, is absolutely. Now, now, Vinny, because of the onset of of uh, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, and you're a traditional practitioner, have you ever had somebody come to you and ask about t- taking BJJ from you, or ask if you teach it, 
or what's the difference between traditional and BJJ, that sort of thing. Have you ever had to deal with that? Um, I think every jiu-jitsu guy has had to deal with that. I've, I've, I'm very honest about what I teach. If When they come in and I say to them that if you heard jiu-jitsu in the last 10 years, the term jiu-jitsu, you already probably assume, and again, this is a generality, I hate to speak in generalities, but you probably assume it's Brazilian jiu-jitsu when you're, when you're, in the last 10 years. Anybody that hasn't had jiu-jitsu training before that, you know, when they actually knew that there was a Japanese mother. Um, but I don't, when they come and they say, I want to do this, I had like a 32-year-old guy come and say he wants to fight in the UFC. Hmm. So I say to him, have you ever sparred or fought or done anything before? No. Why would you want to do this? This is the first question I ask him. What's possessing you to want to get in there and fight a guy that's been training his whole life? That one zig, one zag, one mistake, one kick in the face, you're drinking through a straw for the rest of your life. You know? Mm-hmm. So when they when they one. come to me and ask, no, no, I'm saying I'm tr- I try to be truthful with the student. I mean, a 32 year old guy that's never had a bout before is not should not start and think that he's going to become a UFC champion. You know what I mean? Not starting at like 32. These guys starting they're like 20, 17. You know, they get five, seven years training. Then they're you know they get strong. They have some bouts. But I don't know anything about Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, nor do I know anything about the sport aspects, the UFC, MMAs. I've never, ever watched one. Well, it is a sport. Let's, let's make that very clear. It's not a martial art, although it does incorporate several martial arts in the sport, but it's just a sport. That's it. It's not a martial art. So, you know, if you're not into contact sports, that's okay. It's perfectly understandable. Um, it's a no, no, no. It's not that I'm not into the contact sports. It's that I no, have a different philosophy you. of it. Yeah, the, right. I, I meant I meant in generality. I'm sorry. I don't mean, I, what I'm saying is no, I get in, it. A, in a the philosophy of of getting in there and fighting a guy for money and a title. That's what you're doing, and you're going to hurt another human being. There's no way that you're going to get out of there without hurting a guy. You're going to have to hurt somebody. Versus. I got to go into cross this line. I'm with my unit and now I got to fight for my life or I'm walking down the street with my wife or my kids and I got to fight for my life. That's a completely different mindset and needs to be handled completely different than the mindset of someone who I'm going to tap out or he's going to have compassion on me because they won't. Agreed. That is a totally different mindset. Right. But I admire the guys that can do it. I think they're terrific sportsmen in terrific shape, terrific conditioning. I mean, there's some great guys come out of it. I've got some good friends of mine, Dan O'Brien. They've had some luck. Command Sergeant Major from Fort Irwin, where they've won some titles in the UFC. And these guys are awesome. I mean, I respect them greatly. I just don't look at it the same. Is that that big guy I met last week? Yeah, he he just came up to watch us shoot. 
Oh, okay. There was this mountain. He, he brought somebody for his, his honor day, and there was this mountain that somehow they got through the door, and I don't know how. This guy You're talking was about, enormous. Was he ball-headed? Yeah. Yeah, that was CSM. That was Dan O'Brien. Yeah, I, th- I thought so. This guy was, oh, my God, I thought you were big. <laughs> he yeah, he's a big like boy. Me. He's a big boy, that guy. I'm telling yeah, you. Yeah, he's a. So, he's he runs. He's the garrison commander of of Fort Irwin. He runs the whole base. And he was so humble and so nice. You know, usually the real bad boys that you meet, <laughs> real the real dangerous guys, are usually the nicest, aren't they? Yeah, they are. It was amazing. This guy was so gentle and. And I'm looking at him, and I'm going, please don't eat me. (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm going, I got a daughter in college. (laughs) Please don't eat me. (laughs) That's funny. I'm going, holy crap. Well, we've only got about five minutes left to our our feed. So, uh, Bob, if you want to ask a uh, quick question, and Kat and then I, I think that'll that'll, uh, take us to the end of the show. So let's see. So when are you going back to New York to film Kimmel, Vinny? No, I'm not going. They're going. We filmed here. Oh, we just filmed we filmed here. Thursday here. here. Right. The shows oh, they film live. Yeah. Remember? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Oh, that's right. You yeah. already filmed your section here. Uh, got it. Right. Okay. Very cool. Right. Right. So, right. do you have any movies or anything coming up? Any TV shows? I just I'm working. We're working on a. Uh, I'm playing a New York cop in a horror film uh, nice. that we already started, so we got some more dates to finish on that. Um, nice. We have a we have a production meeting now on the bouncer, which my partner is John Murray, Bill Murray's kid brother. Joel Murray actually directed our short, and uh, I'll be meeting with our Camacho, talking to him about fight choreography. Nice. Wow. Now, how many commercials did you say you were in? National commercial, like. Some ungodly amount, three hundred. No, I did. I've done like forty national commercials. Wow, this this guy is amazing. You know, you know. Next time I meet him, he's gonna want me to kiss his kiss his ring. You know that, right, Rusty? <laughs> <laughs> That's my ally bank commercial. It's <laughs> like, do I have to call him Godfather now? Holy shit! Yeah. I just don't want to. I just don't want to piss him off because he's literally a block from me. Across the street. Well, we're like the neighborhood safety watch. Exactly. And he's always in Taze, Chicago. And what's the address? 603 North Hollywood Way in Burbank. That's funny. That's funny. (laughs) What a callback. I know, right? What's that, Bob? What questions do you have for Vinny to wrap it up? Well, let's see if Kat has any questions first. Kat? Did I lose Kat? Oh, Kat I, uh, hi. <laughs> I want my open. I muted myself. <laughs> um, no, but, I, you know, the, the last subject we were talking about when I when I was chiming in was, you know, we were talking about the kind of the difference between a sport-oriented combat and real combat. Right. Um, 
but I definitely completely understand the difference of the two. Um, there was a question I had, but I've long since forgotten it, so I'm just going to let it go at this point. <laughs> well, you know, it was funny. I was talking to one of his students last week that no longer lives up here. She lives in San Diego, but she came up for it. And we were talking about his training, about how realistic it is. And I said, does he believe that – because I use this from Professor McDaniel. I said, does Vinny believe that no thumb and no eyeball can coexist in the same socket? And she looks at me and she says, yes, he does. I love it. I love it. You know, no, no thumb. I've stuck no my fingers it. knuckles deep in somebody's eyes several times. Well, you want to laugh. That girl he's talking about is Christine. Her name is Christina Hoffberg, and she's in Bible College in San Diego, okay? And she's one of my rank five. She's rank. And here's the thing. She's in Bible College, but here's what she's learned. You know how Jesus said, if I smack you in the face, turn the other cheek? Well, she learned, if I turn the other cheek, that's a head start. I'm giving you until I look back to hit you. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. That's jujitsu jujitsu Christianity. You got yeah. until I look back the other way, pal, then go. I'm coming to you. <laughs> now, now I yep. do have I do have one more question for Vinny. Vinny, would you give me the honor of one time coming in and sitting in on one of your classes and doing your teaching? Brother, you can come anytime you want. It's any Monday or Wednesday night, 7 to 9, and Saturday morning, 11 to 1. Nice. Saturday morning, 11 to 1. Yeah, everyone's welcome. You're all welcome. Please, come on. All right. Yay. Just don't beat me up. I'm fragile. I need to get your address and phone number. Um, Bob's got it. I need to get your address. But, uh, I'll, I'll give it to you off the air. Okay, I'll, I'll get it from Bob. Yeah, okay. Bob's got it. Yeah, you, you're Thank welcome you. anytime, guys. I would love to have you come by. And uh, you have Yay. a page. Thank you. Um, so look look it up, folks. Uh, look it up. Um, what was the name of your school again? I was just and I liked it. <laughs> I don't remember. It was American Old School. American, American Old School Jiu-Jitsu. There you go. Look it up. I just went to the page. Nice. I just it. Um, and uh, check it out over there. Well, we are running out of time, unfortunately. We've got about 90 seconds until we are off the air. So, so with that said, thank you so much, Vince, for joining us. Thank you, Vinny. And Thanks, Vinny. Oh, you're very welcome. Thank you for having me on the show, guys. You guys are awesome. It was a blast, man. Looking and forward I will to see you soon at your school. Uh, you're welcome anytime, brother. Anytime. Yeah, looking forward to meeting and guys, you. Guys, don't forget the Martial Arts History Museum. Sponsor it. Guys, go visit it. It's the greatest go place visit. in the world. That's right. Go visit it, folks. The Martial Arts History Museum. I don't remember the address. And it's in Burbank, folks. Look it up. <laughs> so, thank you, Bob. <laughs> thank you, Kat, for joining me. Uh, thank you. With Shihan Dai, Vince Terry. Can't wait to meet you in person, Vince. We'll see everyone next time. Bye, everybody. Have a great you night. Too. Bye, bye, guys. You too. Bye, bye.
Take care.